I really believe today is going to be a great day of opportunity for all of us, not just to have a great day in church and enjoy the, 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 the fellowship of family. I believe today has the power to change your life forever. Amen. In fact, let me just ask this question. If you're here today and there's some things in your life that really need to change, or let me say this, if there's some things in the person's life next to you that needs to change, just lift your hand wherever you are. We all need some changes in our lives. Uh, and uh, you know what? I believe today has the power to change our lives. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to talk to you about understanding Easter a little better. And Matthew chapter 28 is Matthew's uh, account of that first resurrection Sunday morning. Uh, and then I also have some, some uh, for you today, some firsthand testimony about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But let's look in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. I want to read the first 10 verses, and then I've got some folks that want to share briefly with you. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. By the way, these are not, neither one of these are Mary, the mother of Jesus, just so you know. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and, the, and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, everyone say, rejoice. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus said it the way you just said it? In fact, I heard Ray, rejoice. <laughs> now, I, I wasn't there, I don't know, but I got a feeling it had a little more gusto than that. What do you think, Wayne? All right, let's, let's, let's go. I'm going to start over with this verse. And when I, when I get to that word, I want to hear how you think, your interpretation of what you think Jesus said and how he said it with those women that day. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying... That's a little better. So they came and held, held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, back in 2010, uh, we took a team, joined with Pastor Ron and went to Israel. I'd been there uh, a couple of times. This was my third time, my wife's first time. Uh, and so we had a great time, uh, you know, touring uh, the land of Israel and uh, walk where Jesus walked. And when I left, I said, now my wife is gone. I don't think I need to come back. But uh, Wednesday night, as we watched uh, the, the Easter experience, I, I wanted, I got this hankering to go back. Uh, but we had some, some of our folks went with us. I'm going to ask our firsthand testimony that I've lined up. Where's Laurie and Cade? Where are you? Come on, come, come quickly. Beverly, hand them that microphone. Uh, Laurie and Cade uh, went with us along with others. Uh, and I wanted them just to share a few thoughts uh, about uh, the resurrection or the, the, their experience 
there at the tomb back in 2010. Laurie, go right ahead. Well, we had um, just had been told that where actually the crucifixion happened at Golgotha. And so that was so on my mind as I approached the tomb. Shortly afterwards, we went to the tomb. And before that, had been at Lithostratus. And I'd actually put my hand at a spot where I feel like Jesus actually spilled some blood. It was me and the Holy Spirit talking in that moment. And as I went into that tomb, I truly can say that I felt like Mary Magdalene did when she very first approached the tomb that morning. And you know, you're so overwhelmed in that second. I'd said if I ever got there, I'd told God that I was going to sing Amazing Grace. But I was so overwhelmed and crying, and in that second, he said, so are you going to sing about my Amazing Grace, Lori? (laughs) And I wasn't even aware of who was with me, and I just burst out in song, and everybody that was in the tomb with me began to sing as well. And so, you know, it truly was amazing grace. And even today, I'm still overwhelmed just talking about it. Amen. And I would live in Israel if that was possible, Pastor. Amen. And, Laurie, before you go, uh, was the tomb empty? The tomb was indeed empty. Amen. I wanted to make sure of that. Amen. Amen. Uh, I went with, as well. And... Never mind my really long hair in this picture. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. But you see me now, so I don't have that long hair. Anyways, um, you know, I was kind of expecting to experience God in a new way uh, when I went to, to Israel. And, and really, and especially when I went to the tomb. And not to say that it wasn't an experience. Um, because it was, it was. It was incredible. I'm a, a third witness. He wasn't there. Uh, he, he was risen. Amen. And so we go to the tomb, and I was expecting for the Holy Spirit to just be strong or you know, the Lord to speak to me in some kind of way. But, you know, it really didn't happen. But, you know, as I was thinking about what I was going to say this morning, you know, it doesn't matter what tomb he was in. Even, you know, that is, um, that is the, the, the tomb that he was in. Um, I guess 90% say he was anyways. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right. if that was a tomb, you know. He is risen. He, he was laid in that tomb for three days. And the angels rolled the stone back. And he was gone. And revealed to the disciples, to the Marys, that he's gone. He is risen. And, uh, and that's awesome. And, you know, he died for our sins. He, he tore the veil. And now we have communion with Christ. We have communion with the Father. So, amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's give our first hand eyewitnesses a hand. Thank you so much. Kate is correct. The tomb that they're standing there in front of that you visit when you go to Israel, it's not, you can't say 100% that this is the tomb of Jesus. Uh, but let me just throw some thoughts out to you that, uh, that point to the potential validity that this is the actual tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, this where this tomb is located is in a garden, and that garden was there. Uh, historically, we know it was in a place of a garden, and this is a biblical fact that the tomb was in a garden. So it, it certainly lines up from that standpoint. The, the second thing, this tomb uh, that uh, Ryan and Kate are standing in front of was hewn from rock, which is biblically correct. The third, it's outside the old city gates, which is, which is lines up with a biblical account. And it had a stone. In fact, if you see where Ryan and Kate's feet are, there's a little wooden plank that's kind of blocking where you can go step up in. What their feet, what Cade's left foot in is in a trough where a stone was designed to roll across 
the face of this grave. So that certainly lines up. It, it, it at one time had a stone that rolled over into the front, biblically correct. Uh, its original construction, this is very interesting to me, its original construction, uh, according to the scripture, that, that uh, when they went down into the tomb, in one of the gospels, they had to look to the, to the right, I believe, to see that the tomb was empty. That's not normally how these, uh, these tombs are built. Uh, the weeping chamber is on the left, and, the, uh, and, and the, the, the first place, the first grave spot is on the, on the right. And so that's biblically correct, which is a little different and unique from most of how these tombs were constructed. Uh, the original door was, was much lower than even what you see right here. And so that helps uh, from the standpoint, one of the gospels says they had to bend down to go in. Uh, interesting insight about this, uh, the, the first, what they call loculi, which is where they lay the body. The, the loculi to the right, which is, if this is the, the, the very tomb of Jesus, it's interesting that it was completed. But at the last moment, it's, it reveals that the, they had to go in. There's a place even where they where they chip out the rock for the feet to go. And it's very clear that this, this tomb was uh, adjusted for someone who was not designed to be there because the feet were roughly chipped out where someone who was taller than the person it was planned for uh, lay. And so interesting little insight about that. Uh, and then finally, though you can't see it here to the right, you see the blocks where they blocked it up since. To the right, there's a long crack that goes all the way over to the, to the face of the opening of this tomb. And archaeologists say more than likely this was caused by an earthquake. Thank you. Uh, and uh, so a lot of things, just interesting insights about this tomb that we visited and that you can visit uh, point to the potential that this is the very tomb where Jesus uh, rose from the dead. And here's the reality. There's nothing significant about this tomb other than the fact that it is empty. Somebody say amen. And so today we're here to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray today I can give you a little added understanding of Easter. Understand something about Easter. It is not just a religious holiday that we celebrate uh, once a year and, and where the candy companies get rich and, and we just have a great time of fellowship. Uh, hey, those things are all great. But let me tell you about Easter. Easter, my friend, is where we pause and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from from the dead. I think we ought to give the resurrected Christ a great big God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. In fact, let me just say to you, no bunny loves you like Jesus. Tell your neighbor, no bunny loves you like Jesus. It's really true. You see, you can go to the tombs of religious leaders from the point of the beginning of time until today. And, and you know what? They're still in their tomb. Jesus Christ is the only one, the only religious leader, the only uh, person that we can point to who was raised from the dead as a religious leader. Guess what? Muhammad is still in the grave. Poor old Buddha is still in the grave. Jesus Christ rose from the dead just as he said. 
And so this morning we celebrate that and, and we thank God for, for the opportunity to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I want to just get some, some more eyewitnesses to this resurrection. I want to look to the Bible and I want to show you some things about those that were there when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and through their revelation we can get a better Easter understanding. Let's look at some eyewitnesses. I want to look at the Marys. You know here in this passage it says the two Marys. The Marys went and, and, and they were the, the, uh, the first to experience the resurrected Christ. Uh, ladies, y'all need to feel special. Amen. Jesus revealed himself first as the resurrected Christ to, to the Marys. And you know what? To them that day, it, it, they, got, they gained some real Easter understanding once they realized Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In fact, Luke 24 talks about this same account. And, and what happens with them in Luke 24 and really in Matthew 28 is that they get a realization that the promises of God are true. You see, for the Marys, they gained a new Easter understanding of the ultimate power of his promises. You see, Jesus promised that he would rise from the dead. And in Luke 24, when the angel tells them, hey, he rose from the dead just as he said, I like what Luke said. It says, and they remembered. Everyone say, and they remembered. You see, understand something about the promises of God. Every promise of God, whatever he said he would do, he will do. And so they got that revelation. They remembered that Jesus had promised his resurrection. And then they began to witness it. And then they came in contact with the resurrected Christ. And they walked away from that first Easter morning with a reality that Jesus' promises are true. You and I today, what can we gain from that? My friend, understand something. We can reach out and take that same truth that those Marys took that day when they remembered the promise of the resurrection and then they were able to experience the reality of the resurrection. They walked away from that day going, what Jesus said he will do, he will do. Amen. You see, some of you today doubt the promises of God. In fact, did you know he promised? In fact, uh, the Bible says when he uh, ascended to heaven in Luke, and pardon me, in, in Acts chapter one, it says this, the angel said, this same Jesus who you see ascending will come again in like manner. How many of you know you can trust the promises of God? And so for the Marys, they gained a great understanding, a new Easter understanding. That the ultimate power of God's promise is so real in our life. We need to embrace the promises of God today like never before, just as those Marys did. Now for Peter and his disciples, they were a little slower than some of the ladies, but they got it. They finally got it. And, and what we can learn from Peter and his disciples, and I love the story of Peter. You know that he's my hero because he blew it really bad uh, by denying the Lord. But then he was quick to repent. And the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. And, he, and, and then we see the resurrected Christ. In fact, if you have time, read John 21. When the resurrected Christ walks back into these disciples' lives, back into Peter's life. And what do they understand from that Easter experience? experience. Here's what they got. They gained a new Easter understanding of their ultimate purpose. You see, Jesus walked into Peter's life there in Luke chapter five and changed his whole reason for being. Peter was a fisherman, a lowly fisherman, and Jesus walked into his life there in Luke five and other gospels and said, you know what? If you'll just follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. 
And Peter began to follow the Lord and then he denied the Lord and then he went out and he wept bitterly and the resurrected Christ walks back into his life. Listen to me today. Resurrection always gives birth to purpose and destiny. You see, Jesus really did rise from the dead and he walked back into Peter and his disciples' lives and he, and he rebirthed, if you will, and resurrected their real purpose to fish for men. And you know the rest of that story that Peter in just a few days stood up uh, in Jerusalem and preached the gospel, the Pentecostal powerful gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit was poured out and 3,000 plus people were born again and Peter and his disciples were launched into their real purpose. You see, resurrection will do that for us today. You see, some of you may have lost your reason for, for, for in life and you have no real purpose in life. Listen, the resurrected Christ today wants to walk into your life and breathe fresh purpose and destiny into your life. For those disciples that day, they gained a great new Easter understanding of their ultimate purpose. Now, there's some other witnesses to this resurrection, the Roman guards. They weren't there by choice. They were there by appointment from the Roman government. The Roman guards were there that day. And most of us, when we have a picture of it, we picture the tomb with a couple of guards standing there, maybe with a sword and a spear. But when you look to the history of the Roman government, you find that a Roman guard consists of 16 soldiers guarding the tomb. These 16 soldiers were there under the mandate of the authority of the Roman government. In fact, the Roman seal was on the tomb. And the Bible uh, is very clear that they were there to keep anyone or anything from potentially stealing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were there that day on that first Easter morning. When the angel of God and the earthquake came and the Bible says, as we read in Matthew 28, verse four, that they all shook for fear and fell down like dead men. They were not a part of the Romans seal team six. And what did they gain that morning on that first Easter morning? They gained, here we, here we go, what those Roman guards gained was this. They gained an, an, an understanding of God's ultimate authority in their life. They came in contact with real authority. Did you know if they were caught sleeping or leaning on something or not engaged in the responsibility that, that they were under the mandate of death if they failed to do their duty there on guard? And not only that, if one fell asleep, all 16 got the same response from the Roman government. You see, they were under authority. They understood authority. But on Resurrection Sunday, they came in contact with ultimate authority, and his name was Jesus Christ. And they fell down as dead men. You see, understand something about Jesus. The devil did not kill him. Understand something about Jesus. The Roman guards did not kill him. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus said this in John 17. He says, John chapter 10, verse 17. He says, therefore does my father love me because I laid down my life that I might take it again. You see that there is no, death has no authority over Jesus. 
He is the ultimate authority. He went on to say this. He said, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. Somebody say amen. And these Roman guards came in contact with that kind of authority. Interesting thing about Jesus Christ. In fact, with John in Revelations chapter 1, where the resurrected Christ walks back into John the Revelator's life. They're on the Isle called Patmos years later. And the fact, the Bible says he fell down just like these Roman guards fell down. And Jesus picked him up and he says, you need to understand who you're talking to. He said, listen, I was the one who was dead and rose again. In fact, listen, understand this. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He is the ultimate authority. In fact, what did he tell Lazarus? Or pardon me, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, just before he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, ladies, you need to understand something. They had an understanding of future resurrection, but they didn't have an understanding of immediate resurrection. And he looked at them, he said, what you need to understand, you need to know who you're talking to. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. (coughs) Those Roman guards came in contact and had a revelation of God's ultimate authority. In fact, I don't know if it was the same one, but it very could have been, if you remember, even on crucifixion on Golgotha's hill, when Jesus said it is finished and the earth shook and the sky went black, one of the Roman guards said, surely he is the son of God. I'll never forget, I saw that years ago, the greatest story ever told. Did anybody say, I think that's what it was. A little interesting insight. John Wayne was the Roman soldier. Did you know that? And he said it with his best Texas accent. Surely he was the son of God. <laughs> Missed it a little there on the casting. But these Roman guards had a revelation. Now, let's keep moving. Hey, think about the devil. Now, the devil thought this, his, this, this was his greatest accomplishment. But how many of you know on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, the devil had a great revelation. He had a new understanding. He got an Easter understanding, and it was this. He came in contact with that ultimate authority, and his understanding was of his ultimate demise. He understood that... He, His days were over. Now, here's what the Bible says. Catch this quickly. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, Through death, Jesus would destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Did you catch that? Now, the word destroy does not mean to ultimately annihilate. It means to unplug, if you will, to totally decapacitate, to, to, to uh, dethrone and declaw. Any of you got any cats that you've declawed? Those poor things. They only think they can scratch you. That's the way it is with the devil. He only thinks he can hurt you. In fact, understand something. He he has no power or authority over you. The only power or authority he has over you is what you willingly yield to him. But on Resurrection Sunday, the Bible says his abilities were destroyed. They were defeated. They were undone. And he has no authority over our life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Somebody say amen. He got a revelation on Resurrection Sunday. In fact, the Bible says, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it said these these rulers of darkness, these rulers of the age, had they known, 
they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Well, my thought about that was if they'd have been listening, they would have known. But they were kind of like the disciples. They weren't listening when Jesus said, I will rise from the dead. Uh, And they weren't really listening. But hey, hey, the Bible teaches us that we have authority over the devil because of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love the old hymns. How many of you love the old hymns? In fact, Beverly and I, she swore for me not to get her up, but we were singing two-part harmony yesterday to up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. Come on, I'm going to start over. I need some help here this morning. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. And this is where I hit the high note. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. We have victory. These are some first-hand accounts. Some eyewitnesses, some biblical participants of that first resurrection morning. Now, what about us today? And you think, wait, now, we weren't, we weren't there. Wait a minute. Oh, let, me, let me remind you, you may not have been there in body, but you were there in the heart of Jesus. In fact, the old spiritual says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And were you there when he rose from the dead? My friend, understand something. You were there. Because the Bible says he was doing it all for you. He was paying the price. So for us today, we were there. And for us as eyewitnesses, though not in body, we can witness to the word of God. Listen carefully. We were there. And we can gain this morning a new Easter understanding of God's ultimate redemptive plan in our lives. How many of you know resurrection was in God's plan? Resurrection was in the plan of God. And God had a plan. You see, here's the story. How many of you want to know the story? And we're talking about his story. Let me give you a little bit of history and his story. You see, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of humanity, there was a problem that entered into the world. And if IQ can help me out, let's move forward here. Uh, here's the story for us today that God looked down on humanity from at the time of Adam and Eve, who, by the way, let sin creep in. And from that time until now, God began to develop a redemptive plan. A plan to bring God and man back into relationship with one another. You see, sin separates, right? Everyone say sin separates. In fact, what does the Bible say? The Bible says we're all sinners. In fact, Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all natural born sinners. All the natural born sinners say, oh me. It's just the way it is. 
And so God developed a plan. In fact, when you read the Old Testament, some of, some of the Old Testament you read, it seems kind of gory and it seems kind of, did you know the temple in, in, in those days where it was a bloody place because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And that's what had to happen for man and God to come back into relationship with each other. The sin problem had to be taken care of. And, and until Jesus came, uh, there was the, the, the continual letting of blood of, of, the bull, of the blood of bulls and goats and animals for the temporary remission of the sins of the people. But my Bible tells me that when Jesus shed his blood, it was the ultimate and final sacrifice to pay the price for the sins of all humanity. And it began the process of redeeming us from our sins. Somebody say amen. And so for us today, as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, it ought to be a great new understanding and revelation of God's ultimate redemptive plan that he put into action for all of us. In fact, this is what the Bible calls the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. I want you to turn now to a passage of Scripture. I've been quoting and just commenting. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15 with me for just a moment. I want you to turn there if you can. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul the Apostle begins to talk about this redemptive plan that God put into play. So humanity, that means you and me, could come back into right relationship with God. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. That's the good news. How many of you like some good news? How many of you are tired of bad news? And the, the global good news here on Resurrection Sunday is that, that God had a plan. And here it is. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand. You see, all you have to do is open your heart to receive what I'm about to tell you. And here it is, unfolds, by which also you are saved. In other words, this, this, this good news, this gospel has the power to save you from your sin. He says, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here it is, verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Somebody say another amen. amen. My friend, that's the gospel. And understand this about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, hey, thank God for the cross. Without the cross, there, was, there could be no resurrection. Thank God for the cross because he shed his blood for us. But understand something. The resurrection was the final piece to God's great uh, 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 and ultimate overcoming redemptive plan to bring God and man back into relationship with one another. Amen. Jesus died on a cross, according to the scriptures. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. That's the gospel. You know, in church, we kind of get it all diluted a little bit. We get it all, we talk about all kinds of things. And let us, listen, understand this, that's the cornerstone of our faith. 
Without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, if we had time, we'd read on in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we'd be among all men most miserable. If Christ didn't really rise from the dead, we would just be, our faith would be futile. We would still be in our sins, but Christ really did rise from the dead and paid the ultimate price and produced an avenue and a way so we could come back in right relationship with God. Amen. Let me give you some gospel thoughts this morning. Let me talk to you just for a moment about the gospel's purpose. Paul said it right here. The gospel's purpose is to save you. Wait, what do you mean, save me? Save you from your sins. Because remember, our sins separated us from God. Now, my my mind's gone all the way back to before Christmas. Before Jesus was born. 33 plus years ago. The angel in Matthew chapter 1 says this about God's big purpose. He said, Joseph, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And there's not one person, whoever was or whoever will be, that doesn't need that gospel to save them from their sins. We're born in sin. We can't get, be good. You can't do enough good things to be saved. But you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved, not by good works, but the gospel's purpose is to save you. Now the gospel's price, oh, it was a big price. He shed his blood. In fact, Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 1 about the price that Jesus paid. It says, you were not redeemed with with money and silver uh, and things of that nature, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. It was a great price. But you were worth it. And as Beverly said, you're the pearl of great price. He gave all he had so he could find you. So he could save you. And that's the purpose of the gospel. That's the price of the gospel. And you know what? If you were the only sinner, he would have have paid the same price. What I love about this gospel is its potential. Because you see, when Jesus died on a cross and when he rose again, he did not do so for just the people in Beaumont. In fact, the Bible says God so loved the world. He was thinking about the whole world. And the gospel's potential is to save the whole world. God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, look at your neighbor and say, that means you too. Whosoever believes on him, see there's where faith comes in, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, we read the John 3.16 passage and we quote it, most everybody can, but we need to keep reading because, oh, there's so much there. John 3.16 and then verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world. You see, we hold in our hearts, if we're born again Christians, 
the greatest potential for all humanity. Listen, you know what the Bible, you know what God spoke to me this morning on the back porch? He, for me personally, he said, keep going into all the world. He just ignited in me a fresh understanding. In fact, this morning in prayer, we prayed for you. We prayed for this service, but we prayed for the whole world. What potential we have in this precious gospel. He said that the world through him might be saved. And he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That leads us to the gospel's path. The path you and I have to walk down to experience this saving grace. Paul said it well. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, faith is released for salvation. And so today, what's the path? It's very simple. Confess Him as the Lord and the leader of your life. That means yielding yourself to His governance and authority. You see, understand this about about salvation. Some people think that you're saved when you walk down this aisle and you fill out a card and you cry a tear. That's not the requirement. Some people think you're saved when you, when you go through some kind of uh, a process of, 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 of getting better and better. No, my friend, you can't be better enough to get saved. You can't stop smoking and chewing and going with the girls that do and expect to get into heaven. The path is simply this. I yield myself to his lordship. And I believe he died on a cross and he rose again on the third day for me. And I confess that. I believe it. I embrace it. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you become a child of God. That's what Easter's all about. And that's why we're here this morning. Because it's not just about me. It's not just about the, Mar the Marys. It's not just about Peter and the disciples. It's not just about get getting victory over the devil. It's about you being born again. Being saved. Jesus told Nicodemus there in the Gospels, he said, you must be born again. You see, we're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. The Bible teaches us that our spirit is dead and separated because of sin. And when we have faith in Christ and yield ourselves to him, he breathes life. This morning as we come to the close of this service, I'm going to ask you about your understanding. Have you had a personal experience with the resurrected Christ? Are you here because of religious duty or it's Easter Sunday? Or are you here to celebrate your Savior's resurrection 
that paved the way for you to be born again. Let's stand together this morning. And in the next moment or two, I'm going to ask no one to leave. We, in fact, we are ahead of the game. With every head bowed and every eye closed today. If you're here this morning, what a great day to be born again. What a great day to be saved. What a great day to have faith in what Christ did for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, I want to lead you to a place of confession. I want to lead you to a place of faith. That's why I'm here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I'll not embarrass you, but I want, to under, I want you to understand today, you have no, if you don't believe, the Bible says, as I read in John 3, you're condemned already. You don't have a hope or a prayer of making it to heaven without having faith in Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor Sam, today, I want to confess Jesus as the Lord and the leader of my life. I want to be born again. I want to be born of the Spirit. I want to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to have confidence in Him. And I believe what He did for me on the cross. And how He rose again the third day with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you can say, Pastor... I want to know for sure that Jesus lives in my heart. That I belong to Him and I'm born again. If that's you today and you need that confidence, lift your hand wherever you are and I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just lift your hand high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come this morning. And to make their way across this uh, on each side to my left and my right. We're going to close in just a moment. But before we do, you that lifted your hand, listen carefully. I'm going to pray with you. We're all going to pray together. I want everyone in this room to say, thank you, Jesus. People are about to be born again. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your heart and you lifted your hand with me just a few moments ago I want us all to pray this prayer out loud I'm going to lead you to a place of confession I want us all to pray this prayer out loud and if you lifted your hand you pray out of sincerity and my friend understand something you'll be born again everyone pray say dear Lord Jesus thank you for paying for my sin on the cross for shedding your blood to wash away my sin Today, I thank you for that. And I thank you for rising from the dead for me. I believe that, Lord, that you paid a great price and you rose again so I could have new life. I trust you. And I yield my life this day on Resurrection Sunday. I yield my life to your leadership. I submit myself to you and I invite you into my heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord, the resurrected Christ, a great big God bless you.
Hallelujah. Now listen carefully. If you prayed that prayer today, if you lifted your hand, listen, it, this is so important. Everyone say so important. In fact, look around, just tell somebody, this is so important. This is so important. In a moment when we are dismissed, this won't take but two or three minutes. But in a moment when we're dismissed, if you lifted your hand and you prayed that prayer today, don't go out those doors. Come this way. Take one of these prayer team. These, uh, they're just great folks. By the hand. And they're going to pray with you and share with you and give you a simple brochure that says, now that you are his. I think there's 10 steps on what to do once you're born again. And they're going to give that to you and pray for you. And that'll get you started. You see, the, the problem with a lot of people, maybe with people in this room, you've prayed that prayer before, but you've never followed through with what's next. Everyone say, what's next? So now you're born again. It's time to follow Jesus, and we can help you do that. So when we dismiss in just a moment, if you lifted your hand and you prayed that prayer, don't go that way. Go this way. It won't take two or three minutes. I'm not going to crank up just as I am and make you walk the aisle here today. But after we're dismissed, you don't go that way. You come this way. And they'll take you by the hand. They'll pray a prayer with you. They'll put that into your hand, get a little information from you and get you started right in your walk with God. I think, you know what heaven's doing today all over the world? Heaven's rejoicing because people got born again all over the world today. Let's give, let's give God some praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so everybody said amen. One final thing, if you're here today, and listen carefully, if you don't have a church home, you need a church home. And if you heard the voice within the voice, you heard God speaking to you today through this service, you're searching for a church home, I want you to come and take one of these people by the hand and just say, pray with me. I, I need a church home. And they're going to pray with you. They're going to ask God, do you believe God is speaking to you to be a part of this church today? If you're searching for a church home, don't go that way. Go this way. You need to get this settled. Church is not optional. Look at your neighbor and say, church is not optional. Sadly, it is in most people's mind. But listen, when you read the Bible, it's not optional. So... Listen carefully. I don't want to be tough on you today, but if this is the first time you've been in church in a while, listen, it's a great start. But that's all it is, is a great start. Just make a commitment and decision. You know what? From this day, I'm going to begin to serve God and I'm going to begin to plug into church and I'm going to begin to grow spiritually and I'm going to, get, I'm going to begin to really experience that victory over the devil that the preacher was talking about. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Father, we thank you for all you've done and all you're going to do. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to ask our prayer team to do this. Move to the left and the right just a little. Move to the left and the right a little. If you're a, if you're a first-time guest here today, as my lovely wife so wonderfully shared with you, we have a gift for you. And, and we'd love for you to come right down this aisle and pick up your colors. And you know what? They're just beautiful. And I want you to take them and I want you to plant them and let them come back. Aren't, aren't they annuals? Do they, are, are the perennials, what's a, perennials come back? They'll come back. Okay. Just like Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. So God bless you. Let's get, hey, one more time. It's celebration day. Let's celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Now, I'm going to count to three, and we're going to shout hallelujah. Remember, if you prayed a prayer, come this way, not that way. Uh, And if you're searching for a church home, come this way. Don't go that way. In about 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to have a wonderful time outside with the kids. We're going to count to three and shout, He is risen indeed. Are you ready? One, two, three. He is risen indeed. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.